Hey, welcome today to the Revival Way podcast. I am your host, evangelist, Taylor Michael. Today we're going to pump you up full of the Word of God to get you delivered out of any work of the enemy and to get you empowered and activated to go out and build the kingdom of God with full faith and no hindrance in the mighty name of Jesus. Enjoy. Oi. Oi. Can you hear me, dude? You ask me that every time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. My dude looks a lot better than right now, I'm telling you. Looks like a skater boy now. He looks like an entrepreneur. I can flip this for 30 bucks. (laughs) What can you do with your law degree, Derek? Derek. That's awesome. I'm going to share this to our Instagrams quickly. Yeah. I think we have our first listener. Oh, it's Cade. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, 13 subscribers. <laughs> One listener who was not subscribed yeah. is right next to it. <laughs> yeah, Good exactly. Day. He's helping this it is, pop off. This Cade, is not going away with it. Bro, just copy the link like crazy. Do your thing, bro. I wonder, I want to know how many people are on this platform. Bro, there's a ton. I saw this one podcast that had like 58,000 subscribed. Really? There's that many? Yeah, I know. I freaked out. I was like, wow, I've, I didn't even know. Because like you think about it, Jonathan had like 120 listeners and he was second on the app. Well, yeah, I think he's got like 1,100 listeners. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. He's got quite a bit of people that subscribe to him, but it's interesting. Oh, did you know that you could put music on this? No. Like background music? Oh, yeah. Check that little thing image again in the corner. Hey. Welcome to Financial Breakthrough, where you can get all of your prosperity needs. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> what did... Uh... When Nunu say uh, prosperity meant again? <laughs> what, did, what did Juan Nunu say? Yeah. What about what? About what the actual definition of prosperity meant. It was like breakthrough or something. Yeah, it's um like breaking forward in, in every way. Blessed break forward. Mm. Yeah, something along those lines all right well shall we just go for it like yeah well i mean how's your day been you know it's been a while i haven't seen you yeah (laughs) (laughs) no good day (laughs) you know me (laughs) do you have uh well actually no never mind well here we're gonna we're going to cover the three basic – well, actually, I didn't, I didn't write a number, did I? No, I didn't. All I did was put financial breakthrough. Okay, so – Somewhere you did just... say three. 
All right. Well, then let's each find, or you know what? We'll just tag team. We'll each do. We'll come together one, for one. three. I'll do one, and then you do one, and then, uh, and then I'll do another one. All right. So, number one, when it comes to financial breakthrough, anybody that's listening to this live now, all of our two listeners, or anybody that listens to this in the near future via podcast or whatever, the number one, according to my opinion, point of view that you must understand biblically when it comes to financial breakthrough is that you must believe that God is aiming to bless you. Wow. You must believe first and foremost that God wants to bless you, to bless your family, and to bless your finances. That he's not looking to curse your finances. That he didn't put wealth on the earth so that the devil's children could enjoy it. God created wealth for his children to use to advance his kingdom in this life. So, number one, you must remember, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I have come that you might have life and have life to the full or have life abundantly. He didn't say, I have come that you might suffer and that you might lose all your money, that you might live in poverty. No, he said, I have come that you would have an abundant life, that you wouldn't lack, you wouldn't have anything that you're worried about. The same way that we see that happen with Abraham and Joshua and David and Solomon and all of these other people that link up with God. So number one, for people listening, in order for you to receive your financial breakthrough, you must believe God is looking to bless you financially. Wow. No, that's so good. And I think like you said, like it's good to have scripture with that. Like you think about Hebrews 11 verse 6, the fact that those who diligently seek the Lord will be rewarded. Like that's his whole mentality. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, remember the Lord your God for it's him who gave you the power to generate wealth. I think it's the same situation like yesterday or the day before we were talking about finance, uh, healing. People don't receive their healing because they don't think God wants them healed. In the same way, people are locked up in poverty because they don't think God actually, one, is rich, and two, became poverty, as in Jesus became poverty, so that in him we might become rich. That's right. And just to back up what Stephen is saying here, I'm going to quote off some scripture to, to help people. For those of you that are going to take notes on this, in order to build your faith to help you understand where it is that God wants to take you in life, I want you to write these scriptures down. Number one is Psalm chapter one. And let me read it for you. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, or God's word, and on his word he meditates day and night. And when he does this, it says this in verse 3, He will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in every season, and its leaf does not wither. And in all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. So there's your first example. And the next one, I want to go to Psalm chapter 112. Because I want to give you the, the actual picture of what it is that God wants to do with you and your wealth. And now, of course, the obvious comments are going to be, 
oh, well, Talon, it doesn't matter if you're rich. It just matters if you have enough. Jesus said in Matthew chapter six that he'll give you enough to feed you and clothe you just like he feeds the birds of the air and he clothes the, fat, the, the flowers. Yes, of course, God is looking to clothe you and to feed you. But he also said, according to Paul, that he is the God that adds exceedingly abundantly more than you could dare to ever ask or think that God is an exceedingly and abundant God, that he's always looking to go above and beyond more than you could ever think or ask. Even when he fed the thousands of people, he always had baskets left over, that people were always satisfied until overflow. My cup overfloweth. So I want to read Psalm chapter 112 as well, starting in verse 1. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends his money, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. And now, obviously, the verse that we're going to focus on is verse number three. Wealth and riches are in his house. God desires to bless you in your finances if you stay aligned with his word. So good. Yeah. So I think there you go. Like point one, you actually have to believe that when you become a Christian, by faith, you receive the blessing of Abraham. You come into the blessing of God. And that includes financial blessing in your life, that God is actually bringing that upon you. So, so good. Um, all right. I think on my side, to come back from, uh, from that, I would say the church as a whole has generally done a pretty poor job of teaching um, on how practically uh, finances work. All right. And so I think something that's really hit me very hard is it doesn't matter how many times you've heard people preach on the offering. It doesn't matter how many times. Um, you've given in the offering. It doesn't matter whether or not you even want to give in the offering. The reality is you need to respect the offering. It's not to be passed around within seconds. It's not to tip God. It is there to be honored. And I want to base this off of a scripture in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 2.17. It discusses uh, these worthless sons, the sons of e, uh, Eli, who is like the high priest at the time. And it says in verse 17, the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord for the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. So my first like kind of or my the second point I want to make with regard to how do you actually get breakthrough with finances is stop looking down on the offering regardless of how much you give, when you give, how you give or anything. Treat the offering with the utmost respect. Absolutely. And you, you see that so often in uh, more religious, traditional churches. You That's see right. that 
that people have very little respect when it comes to the tithe. They think that pastors just pull cash out of their wazoo and that their rent just falls off of trees and that their groceries are picked right out of the ground. People don't realize that it takes finances to fund the kingdom of God. Now, on the other hand, God does own all the silver and all the gold and all the cattle on a thousand hills. However, God also has put into the hands of the congregation to provide for the body of Christ. That it's it's a responsibility of the saints to bring forth the tithes and offerings to God's house so that there may be food in his house. That's what it says in Malachi 3. God requires people to take it seriously. The tithe is not negotiable. Now, will you go to hell because you don't tithe? No, but the tithe is still not negotiable. God does require the tithe. He wanted the tithe. God did say tithe to me. The tithe was instated 430 years before the law. The tithe has always been a thing. Offerings have always been a thing. Abel was murdered by Cain because of such a beautiful offering. It has always been about offerings. God gets a sweet aroma when people worship him with their treasure. It is actually one of the most pure and most powerful ways to worship God with your money, with your treasure. It's not that you're worshiping the church building. You're not worshiping the pastor. When you bring your finances to the altar, you're bringing them to God. It says in Hebrews chapter 7 that on earth man receives the tithe, but in heaven God receives the tithe. That when we bring money and our treasure to the altar, we're not bringing it to our pastor. We're not bringing it to the church building. We're bringing it to the Lord, and it's up to him to disperse it for his kingdom's usage. Yeah, that's right. Hey, and Matea, I know you're listening right now. Um, and I mean, you buy a, just if you want to, I'd love to know kind of what's been your experience with kind of offerings and the tithe in church. Um, yeah, like what's been your view? I'd be super interested to know. Um, just curious. So just want to let you know. Thank you for listening. Praise God. Well done, anyway. Stephen. So, yeah, so how, what, what, what would you say your actual number two is? My actual number two, respect the time of the offering or respect the offering as a whole. Very good. Very, very good. Well, number three for me, and then we'll obviously keep bantering. But the reason why we're, we're saying three keys is because we want you to, to have three takeaway items that you can press into in your prayer time, in your fasting, oh. and three things that are actually applicable to you. So for number three, I'm just going to go right into it, and then you and I can keep going through these um, as the spirit leads. But number three, there's two kinds of wealth in this life. Wealth that comes from the world, which is wicked. It's from the devil. That's his kingdom or wealth that comes from God. Now the reality is there's two kingdoms at war in the earth, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light in Colossians chapter one. It says we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his glorious light. So because we've been transferred our money doesn't contain a curse. For example, when you look at people in the world, people that don't go to church, it seems like they always have a hole in their bag. It seems like they've always got money just flowing out. It seems like there's never enough. They can't pay their bills. They're always running short. It seems like there's always a leakage somewhere. They're, they've got debt with credit cards. They can't pay their car bill. Whatever it is, their car is always in the shop. It seems like there's a curse on their money. But when you look at Christians, their finances seem to be blessed. And before we get to Matea's message, I'm going to show you what the Bible says about that. 
in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, it says, The blessing of the Lord makes a man rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. And then you see again in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 6, In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but trouble befalls the income of the wicked. So you see two scriptures where it says that the money of the righteous and the money of the wicked are on two different playing fields. So number one, the money of the wicked in the world is attached to a curse. It cannot be blessed because it's the devil's money. It's not God's money. But number two, God's money, it says that blessed is the man or it, it, the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich and adds no sorrow to it. So when people honor God with their finances, when you obey the laws of tithing, when you obey the laws of offering, almsgiving, blessing men of God, sacrificial giving, all these different ways of giving and honoring the kingdom and the expansion of the kingdom via your treasure, then you watch God bless it and he adds no sorrow to it. It only multiplies. It never goes out. It always multiplies. That's right. So for number three, understanding there's a difference between worldly money and kingdom money. Do we want to listen to Matea's message? Yeah. You want to press play? This is fantastic, you guys. I, I love what you're saying. I'm in full agreement. Primarily what I'm dealing with now uh, within my own ministry, within my own friend circles even, is around the issue of prosperity gospel and how everybody is is attacking uh, exactly what you are discussing right now. And that's how God wants us well off. He wants us to to be able to not only feed our families and, and pay our rent, but he wants above and beyond what we can ask or think. And that's to advance his kingdom. So I, I love what you're saying. I'm in full agreement. But for probably the past five, 10 years, it's it's been this this issue around prosperity gospel. So I'm grateful that you're addressing that right now. Amen. Amen. I think like just what's hitting my spirit right now um, I know for like even us in our ministry, it's come down to whether or not we let the word of God be the final say in our life. So for me, I know if I see it in the Bible, I it, the argument's over. Like it's done. The word of God settles it for me. Because if it's settled in heaven, I can throw as much of a fit as possible, but it's not going to change anything. And so in Deuteronomy 28, it literally says he will make you abound in prosperity. It uses the word. I know everyone cringes with it, but that's the reality. And so we can preach against people who preach prosperity different. We can preach against African preachers. We can preach against American preachers. But at the end of the day, that's accomplishing nothing. What I'm going to preach is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And part of what he was crucified for is that I might be out of poverty and deeply in prosperity. And so, yeah, we're, we're on the same playing field with that. And it, it, it is, it, it's like just one of those things. But at the same time, I think there's such joy in the fact that the devil gets so like upset that Christians prosper, that the kingdom of God prospers and goes forward. Because without financing it, there's no souls that are going to be coming in. It's all about souls. And so, of course, he wants to support church. But that's why it's got to be on the Word of God, the Logos Word and the Rema Word. So brilliant point, Matea. I'm behind you 110%. Amen. And I know that there's going to be, I think it's such a phenomenal question and point that you bring up, Matea, because obviously there's going to be people that listen to this later on down the road, and they're going to have the same question. They're going to say, all right, Taylor, okay, Steve, we, 
we see what you're saying and you're taking it right out of the Bible and we agree. But what is the real issue? Why is there other denominations or other people that are preaching against prosperity? And the reason is, number one, there's bad people in every profession. There's going to be people that rip people off in the church. It's always been that way. It'll always be that way. It's the same reason that, that Jesus was even betrayed. Judas was stealing out of the treasury. There's always going to be devils that are running around ripping people off. And you can't let that give the fact that God really does want you to prosper a bad name. And I think number two, the thing, the, the area where Christians lack when they attack prosperity is I always bring this up. It's never a Christian that's ever been poor. It's never a Christian that's ever struggled financially that attacks prosperity. It's always Christians that have always been well off. It's normally Americans. It's more often American Christians than anyone else because they've always had their diapers wiped by their parents. They've never had to struggle a day in their life. So they don't realize that poverty is an actual curse. And if they read their Bible in Deuteronomy 28 and in Deuteronomy 30, you see that a part of the curses for disobedience toward God is poverty. Not only is it sickness, but it's also poverty. And I think when people actually wrap their mind around it and they see all the word, it helps them out. But at the end of the day, finances has always been the number one thing that the devil tries to rip out from Christians because he knows the potential behind a rich Christian. He knows that if Kenneth Copeland was poor, he wouldn't have been able to fund Reinhard Bonnke's crusades in Africa, which led over 80 million people to salvation. The devil knows how powerful money is. That's why the devil doesn't want Christians to have it. But most Christians aren't aware that that's even a reality. They aren't even aware that (laughs) that we're at a spiritual battle here in these days, that it comes down to nitty gritty things like that. And Jesus wouldn't have compared a heart posture to something unless it carried weight. And Jesus said, where your money is, there your heart will be also. He, He equivalated a money transaction with a heart posture. That's deep. God would have never done that unless money had weight to it. And Jesus said there's so much weight behind money that you can actually see what somebody's intentions are by where they put their money. That's the same thing that, uh, what is this? Are we still on? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, I'm sorry. I just got like this uh, weird interruption on my screen. Anyway, it's the same thing that like Rodney Howard Brown was talking about. If you remember, he said, if you ever want to find out why, I mean, Matea knows this more than anybody else with the United Nations and everything politically corrupt that's going on in the world right now with the one world agenda, the 2030 agenda, everything going on right now. All you have to do is follow the money, both evil and righteous. If you follow the money with kingdom, with the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of darkness, you'll find exactly who is running that institution. And the reality is most of these Christians that attack the quote-unquote prosperity gospel are the exact Christians that do not tithe and they do not honor God with their money. They're actually operating in a, in a demonic spirit and they don't even know it. And that's been my own personal experience. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's wow. Awesome. What was that? Jeepers, Steve. Yeah, that destroyed my throat, bro. <laughs> Jeepers. All right. Well, I didn't think like just as a bonus for like people that are going to actually be listening um, in the future to come, a whole thing is about financial breakthrough. I know for me, the key thing that led to me going to the next level and actually being able to settle in the fact that, wow, 
God knows my need. God provides for every single one of the things that he says in Matthew 6, he is going to provide for. The thing that really got me there was that I started to take the tithe and the offering seriously. All right. Now, the tithe is 10%. It means a tenth. You cannot tithe 5%. You cannot tithe 11%. It is 10%. That is saying, Lord, I recognize that whatever comes in, 10% of that is set aside to prove to you, I know that you empowered me to generate wealth. So that's what the tithe is. And then the offering is what's talked about in 2 uh, Corinthians 9, from 6 to like 12. And it's all about giving generously, sowing bountifully to reap bountifully. It's this whole um, system of actual financial reward. I think a lot of people don't understand that biblically speaking, we can settle on the fact that that offerings are clearly taught in Scripture as a reward system. I think a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I don't give to get, you know, that's as, as stupid as saying a farmer plants to receive no harvest. That's not why you do give to get. There's increase there. The, the point is increase. Literally, that's why God said, I want to multiply you to Abraham. How else was he going to make Abraham a mighty nation if he didn't multiply the man, you know? Um, so, yeah, I would say every month you want to be getting your tithe into your church. Every single month, first of the month, whatever it is, get that 10% of your paycheck in and then ask the Lord. Sit before him and say, Father, what do you want me to give on top of this that you can multiply? And give that and then relax because uh, Malachi 3 says when you bring the full tithe and the offering into the house of the Lord, he's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour down a blessing so great there isn't enough room. To, uh, sorry, there isn't enough room to contain it all or pour down a blessing until there's no more need. And I think that's where it's at. It's like, wow, all I have to do is as little as that. And the Lord is opening the floodgates of heaven. Like, I believe it's the same word used when he talks about the flood in, in Noah, those same windows of heaven were open. <laughs> you know, it's like supernatural. Yeah, that's how, did you hear my, it's here. Yeah, exactly. Amen. The right flood, now. The flood, it's here. That's right. Yeah, I think, uh, so this is what's popping up in my spirit right now. There's going to be people that say, all right, so God says, test me in this. I'm going to test them in this, or they're going to have stories like, you think about the American gospel movies and it's story after story after story of them saying, I listened to the prosperity preachers and I brought my tithe and I brought my offering and I sold my house in order to get a bigger house. And I never got a bigger house. I never got a bigger Rolex. I never got a bigger car. And that's all they talk about. All the, the testimonies that they didn't get. Well, I want to encourage people right now. I've been doing this only for a little over a year now is as long as I've been pressing into it. Actually, it might be. Yeah, it might be just under a year. And I'm just now starting to see actual residual passive breakthrough when it comes to the seeds that I've sown over the past year, where it's actually built up momentum in my life to where just like it says in Deuteronomy 28, it says these blessings will overtake you. It's taken me a whole year of remaining faithful the same way that it does with, with farming. It takes a season to plant and then a season to wait and then a season to harvest. It takes time in order for these things to happen in the kingdom and in the natural. But you have to remember, if God says, test me in this, 
you better believe he's going to test you when you test him. If God says in Malachi 3, test me in the tithe, test me in the offering, you better believe it's not going to come easy and cheap. God's going to test you. If he's giving you permission to test him in the tithes and the offering, he's going to test you to see if you're actually willing to stick it out. And the reality is there's a lot of people that they believe in sowing, they believe in reaping, or they did it one time and they tried it for a month. They tried it for two months. After 20 years, 30 years of never tithing, of never giving almsgiving, of never giving offerings, and then they try it for a month and they don't get their massive breakthrough and they poo their panties and then they get all mad and they smear it all over TV and they put it on movies and then they go and and spread false doctrine. The reality is you can't expect 20 years of no tithing, of never honoring God with your money, and then expect him to just show up a month or two later and to dump out 20 years of blessing on you. That's not how it works. You got to start at ground zero. You got to exercise your faith. You got to test the word and you have to allow the word to test you. But when you stay steadfast in it and you don't get weary of good doing, that is when you'll watch these blessings overtake you. It just takes a little bit of time. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. You know, I'm reminded of, um, I think that passage in Luke that talks about being persistent. Uh, I think it's Luke 8. This is Jesus. He says, I tell you, though, okay, wait, let me go a little bit back. Um, And he said, which of you has a friend, verse five, will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will not answer him from with, sorry, he will answer him from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his imprudence or his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And then Jesus says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it, uh, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks, it will be opened. You know, I just think there, there you go. There's, it's time and time again when persistence is used, the miracle happens. It's at the time when you think it's least possible, when it's darkest, the breakthrough comes because it takes faith. It takes you really stepping out of the boat and going for it to actually get to prove that faith is genuine. You know, I think about, um, I think about the, the woman. Oh, what, what was I going to say? I literally just went blank, man. The woman with the issue of blood? Um, Yeah, like how she went out. Oh, yes. Uh, The Samaritan woman, all right? When she's literally with Jesus saying, listen, my son is at home and he's suffering terribly. You need to come heal him. And Jesus says, listen, lady, I'm not even sent to your people. I'm sent to the people of Israel. I'm sent to the Jews. And, And is it right for us to give the food that belongs to the children to the dogs? Like direct insult. She persists through that, which is persecution, and says, listen, we're even allowed the crumbs, you know, and Jesus marvels at her faith so much so that he says, go, your son is healed. Like your faith has made him well. And she wasn't even a part of the people that were supposed to receive. But because of her faith, because of her persistence in the matter, she received. The same is true now in the area of finance, because God's no respecter of men. And for That's any miracle for that right. matter. There you go. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I feel like that was like a a, a really phenomenal. 
really what? Phenomenal. You were breaking up there a little bit. Oh, I think it was a really good session. Amen. Now, one thing, sure. one thing I want to close on before we pray is understand people that are listening to this now. Understand poverty is a curse. Now, That's there's, going to be, there's going to be people in the New Testament that they go and find the scriptures that say, blessed are those that are, like the ESV version in Matthew 5 with the, the Beatitudes, says, blessed are those that are poor. For uh, What does it say? Let me, let me read it. It's, it's so gross because it's not even what it says. It's like totally changes the scripture. Instead of saying, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, it says, blessed are those who are poor. Let me see if I can find it here. Or maybe it's in Luke. I don't think it's in Matthew. Yeah, Matthew is still poor in spirit. Oh, I'm sorry. I think it's like the NLT or something like that. I don't know. I can't remember what translation, but it says, Blessed are those who are poor, instead of blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Don't get don't let poverty create this blessing mentality in your mind where you think that you're more blessed for being poor than you are for being rich. All Jesus said was the last will be first and the first will be last. Meaning the people that are rich, when they put their faith in their money, they're going to be the last ones to enter the kingdom of heaven because it's going to take them longer to actually give their life to Jesus because they have no quote unquote need for God because money has become their God. Whereas the poor people have been blessed with extra faith because they've had to rely on God for the little things. So God's always been their caretaker. He's always been their provider. He's always been El Shaddai for them, Jehovah Jireh. But for the rich, it's a little bit different. However, when you become a Christian, you know Jesus at that point. You've given your life to God. Therefore, you're not required to stay poor. You don't need extra faith in that area. You know your Lord. You know your Savior. You know you're going to heaven. Now, bring glory to God by bringing your inheritance in heaven to earth with you now. Access it by your faith and make it on earth as it is in heaven. And do that by honoring God with what he's given you now. Don't bury your talent. Take your talent and multiply it. God is, Mateo is going to like this one. God is not a socialist God. God is not a communist God. God is a capitalistic God. God <laughs> wants you to take your talents and multiply them. That's the whole purpose of the parable of the talents. Take what I've given you and multiply it. When you take and multiply, those that have been faithful with little will be given much. Take what God has given you now. Honor him with the 10% tithe. Honor him with giving to the poor, with your offering, with your almsgiving, with your giving to, to men of God, with sacrificial giving, with your first fruits. Honor him in all these ways that the Bible discusses. You can honor God with your money and you will watch God. He will bless you so abundantly. It'll blow your mind. And here's the thing. The Bible does say in Mark chapter 9 or Mark chapter 11, it says you'll be persecuted. You'll reap a hundredfold, but you'll also reap persecution. And that's, that's right. just the reality. You have to be okay with being persecuted as a Christian that believes in prosperity. Because the reality is demonized people are going to come against you. And most of them will be Christians, believe it or not. That's right. Praise the Lord. Amen. So do you want to, why don't you pray us out and pray a financial breakthrough? Just call down heaven right now and pray some fire into, into people, people's spirits for financial breakthrough. Pray for open doors and uh, for financial blessing. Yeah. 
100%. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much, Lord, that your son became poverty so that through him we might become rich, that the inheritance of Abraham is upon every single one of us who believe in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, I come into agreement now in the mighty name of Jesus with every single person who's sown into any ministry for that matter, Lord, any money that's gone into the kingdom of heaven that goes to advancing your kingdom, confirming your covenant, I come into agreement now, Lord Jesus. Anything that they need done, be it cars, homes, education, breakthrough in whatever area, I call it done now in Jesus' name. Father, at the same time, your word says that I have authority to bind the enemy, that I have all power and all authority living inside of me and the enemy cannot harm me. So I bind Satan in every way, shape and form in the listener's finances in Jesus name. Anywhere that a scheme of his is operating, I break it in Jesus name. It is dead now. It has no permission to remain alive. And in accordance with Hebrews 1.14, I command all angels that are under the sound of my voice now in the mighty name of Jesus to be sent out and bring finances to anyone and everyone that sows correctly and in accordance with your word. So, Father, I thank you ahead of time. I worship you, Lord, that you hear our prayers, that when we walk in accordance with your word, as Malachi 3 says, we can test you in this and see if you will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. So I thank you, Father, that because we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, there is no lack. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for providing in every way for me and for every single person who receives this now by faith. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen and amen. So right now, anybody listening to this, um, obviously Matea is on here, but anyone listening in the future, those of you that have had your faith stirred, it's important to know right now is your time. While your faith is up for you to sow a financial seed, take, if you need breakthrough in your life, receive the prayer that Stephen just said and act on it. Act by faith right now with your finances. Believe God. Take a sacrificial seed, a sacrificial financial offering, and put it into the kingdom of heaven. See, there's an important thing about sowing seed, and you have to sow good seed in good soil. What's good soil? Our ministry right here, me, Stephen, Kate, Megan, Josh, everybody, our whole team, we're winning souls. That's our main focus. This is good soil. And right now, this is Stephen and I, so we'll give you an opportunity to uh, sow a financial seed now. I want to let you know. That with the ministry, we've reached 100 million people last year. We've already reached 40 million people this year. We're looking to reach 200 million by the end of the year. We're feeding 10 kids every day in the country of Nicaragua. And we're looking to bump that up to 20 very soon, probably within the next week or two here. And on top of that, we're not slowing down. We're only speeding up. We're doing more content. We're pumping more stuff out. This is good soil. And if you are looking for your breakthrough, this is the time to sow financially. So we're going to Amen. give you two, two opportunities here to sow financially uh, into my life or Stephen's life. And if you've been impacted by any of my videos, any of my live streams, by my podcast or by this podcast specifically, you can donate 
via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal. Cash App is dollar sign Talon Michael, and Venmo is Talon dash Michael, and PayPal is at evangelistalon at gmail.com. And then, Stephen, go ahead and share yours as well, please. Yeah, my Cash App is dollar sign Stephen Scott Marks. PayPal is at Stephen Scott Marks. And then my Venmo is at Stephen dash Scott dash Marks. And Marks is spelled M-A-R-Q-U-E-S for all of them. So thank you ahead of time. God bless you. Amen. Also, if you guys don't already, go follow us on Instagram at We Are Living Loved. Uh, our website, wearelivingloved.org. Our YouTube, go subscribe to that. And anybody that's been impacted by our Living Love Ministry, you've been discipled and you feel led to sow a seed there, you can go to our website, wearelivinglove.org, and hit donate now or partner now and go partner up with us in our mission to build the kingdom of God. We had a very Amen. strong prophetic word given to us yesterday. We're not building a ministry. It's not about a title. We're not just living love. That's not who we are. We are Talon. We are Steve. We are Cade. We are Megan. We are Josh. We are DJ. We are children of God first, building a kingdom. And living loved is just the vessel with which God is allowing us to build his kingdom. So if you're looking to build the kingdom of heaven, go help financially on that platform today. Other than that, we love you so much. And uh, I'm sure we'll end up talking to you tomorrow. But on another note, have a blessed weekend, everybody. Amen. Amen. All right, bugger. Bye. Bye.